0: Hey, what's up, Gen Life? How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Let's try that one more time. I, this side is here with me, but, but how about this side over here? How are you guys doing this morning? Hey, Amen. I probably should have came up and said, how y'all doing? Shoot, I would have got a better response, just kidding. Hey, uh, welcome to Gen Life. We're so glad that you guys are here today. Hey, is anybody glad to be together with, with the family of God this morning? Yeah, it is so good. Hey, if you're a guest with us for the first time, we just want to welcome you, and uh, and we're so glad that you're with us. And uh, help me put our hands together and welcome everybody who is joining us online this morning. I've got my wife who is connected with us as well as my son and um, pray for Katie. She's, um, she's been sick and so uh, not COVID or anything like that, but we're just, we're glad that she's with us and so many others. And um, we're praying that the same spirit of God and the same excitement that we have in here would also be transferred to them as well. Hey, um, I've got a message for you today, and um, this is one of those kinds of messages where I really wrestled with the Lord about it as to whether I wanted to, um, to give it to you. And so uh, when I have those kinds of messages, usually there's a process that we go through. Um, have you ever found yourself having to, uh, the Lord teach you through like circumstances? yeah, and experiences. That's a better way, I guess, of saying have you ever been hard-headed and kind of had to, you know what I mean? Um, So I know there's no hard-headed people like in this room. Um, I don't know if they're watching online, but um, just wanted to share something with you. We are in part three of a series that we kicked off not long ago, and it's on the goodness of God. Uh, we kicked it off about two and a half weeks, three weeks ago, and um, has anybody been getting anything out of this message about being in, in the goodness of God and experiencing the goodness of God? You remember it was from the concept of Romans 2 and verse 4, and a couple of weeks ago, remember I had those walls surrounding me, and, and I was talking about how it seemed like experience allowed me to see the goodness of God in my life. Uh, Does that make sense, you know, like going through different things and then being able to experience the goodness of God in it all? And um, today I want to speak specifically to to a group of people who might be having a challenge with the whole phrase, the goodness of God. And I want to take you back to when I was 16 years old where the goodness of God, that whole process uh, began with me. It commenced at 16 when I told you a few weeks ago I got into a terrible, terrible car accident. Um, the, The car got hit one time so hard in the side, and if you've been part of Gen Life, you've heard me share this before, but the car got hit so hard in the side that it folded like an accordion. And and when it got hit on the side, the car flipped over and it rolled over. And because I was so hard-headed, I refused to wear a seatbelt. And thank God that one time I didn't wear that seatbelt because I would have either been paralyzed or I, I would have been, been crushed and would not be here. That's why I guess sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm just thankful to be alive. <laughs> Is there anybody in the room or joining online you have kind of like that thankful I'm just alive kind of, uh, you know, it's like, hey, uh, maybe I didn't have the greatest day, but (laughs) devil, you're going to have to find somebody else because I'm just thankful to be alive. You know what I mean? Like it's been worse and we can get through that. I'm just thankful to be here right now. And, and I remember it was during that time though that my mother was really going through a challenging season. She already had enough going on in her life. And it was during that time where, you know, I feel like she was at her wits end. And God's got a, a way of knowing how much you can handle. And it was during that time she was in a church service and uh, while she was worshiping in the service, one of her friends felt like they heard a prophetic word that said, Keith, because of your faithfulness, I shall deliver him. Now, if you're not familiar with the prophetic word in Second Peter uh, 1, 19 through 21, give a little study of that and you can read where the prophetic word is explained in the Bible. But um, because of that, God was saying, because of my mother's faithfulness, that God would deliver her son, and so uh, her faithfulness being, she was always singing on the worship team. Like she was always at church. Growing up, I can remember being at church like five nights a week. We have any of those people in the room? Like you grew up in church. You were probably born like on the back pew or something. You know, like, like we were always there. My mother would rather coast out into the parking lot on fumes than to miss a rehearsal. You know, like she was always faithful to sing on the worship team. And God was saying because of her Faithfulness, he would deliver me. And so the sister wrote it down on a piece of paper and handed it to my mother. And so my mother (laughs) strategically placed it on her her dresser in her room, which which had the only full-length mirror in the whole house. It was in her closet. So she knew that every time her son wanted to go check himself out in the morning before he left, he would have to come and open up her closet door and look at myself. And when I did, I would have to see that prophetic word right there that says, Keith, because of your faithfulness, I shall deliver him. Now time passed and at 16 years old, I looked at that and I'm like, well, that can't be about me, you know, because God doesn't know all that I've done. So clearly that's not about me. I mean, he can't be all seeing because surely he hasn't seen all that I've been through. So that can't be about me. But then 17 rolled around and and, and 18 years old rolled around and and 19 years old, here I am. And and God gave me some of these what I call wake-up calls. Have you ever had a wake up call in your life where you almost came to that very edge and when you're like, my goodness, I'm just thankful to be alive. But that was a wake up call. And so I had several more of those. And the more I had those and the older I got, finally, at 22 years old, I remember one day looking at that thing and saying, hey, wait a minute. That might be about me. So so if that is true, and the Lord gave my mother that word all of these years ago, that means maybe God's got a purpose for my life. Huh, well if God's got a purpose for my life, then that means that I'm living beneath my potential. Wait a second, if that is true, that means God is gonna love me in spite of what I've done, and yet he still has a purpose and a plan for my life? Well, if that's the truth, well then, man, what am I doing with myself? You know what, as a matter of fact, I'm tired of of living this kind of lifestyle. I'm tired of running from God. I'm tired of living the kind of life hanging out with a bunch of knuckleheads who are going nowhere, who are getting locked up in jail, I'm hanging out in the street, I'm living beneath my potential, if that's me and God is saying that I've got a purpose for my life, he's got a purpose for my life, well then it's time for me to surrender to God and to give my life to Jesus. And at 22 years old, I repented of my sin. And I remember laying on a couch and I said, Lord, if you'll forgive me, I'll give you my whole heart and my whole life, and I'll serve you for the rest of my days. And I have not looked back since. And by God's grace, he had mercy upon my life, even when I didn't deserve it. Hey, well, that's enough about me. Let me me ask you a question today. When you look into the mirror, are you living your God-given purpose? How do you know if you're really living your God-given purpose? Because when you look into the mirror, you're able to see the reflection of the character of Christ. Because that is our purpose. The Scripture lets us know it's to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. In fact, take a look at the book of Romans with me, chapter number, uh, chapter number eight. Romans chapter number eight. Verses 28 through 29. And the word of the Lord says, and we know. You want to read it with me? You guys got some, 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 some blood generating this morning? Are we, are we good? We don't need to stand up and do no jumping jacks or anything. Right? 829. Come on, let's read together. Ready? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Look at verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ooh, that's so good. He said, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Oh, that's so good right there. You know, the term Christian actually means little Christs, like, like little ones, you know. We're to emulate our father, when we have Christ, he's our father, and, and the, the God is our father, and we're to emulate him. Grandma Jackson used to always teach me this. No matter what I did, my grandmother would always try to tie it back into, boy, he's just like his daddy. She was from North Carolina. She was more country than you guys. She came out of the mountains of North Carolina. Oh my goodness, you are just like your daddy. It would be something small. Like one time she dropped a piece of paper and I went to go pick it up with my toes. And she said, oh my goodness, if you pick up that piece of paper, you are just like your daddy. You are a true Jackson. My father's biological father, his name was Jesse Jackson, um, but he was not a reverend, but you know. (laughs) One time we went to get a pair of shoes and she said, "Uh, excuse me, sir, can you go get two different size shoes? He needs a nine and a nine and a half because he's got two different size feet like his daddy. Brought home those shoes. My mother was like, what is this? I was like, well, grandma said I got two different size feet, you know? She's like, you don't have two different size feet. (laughs) Now we got to go spend money. Hey, listen, God desires that we would be reconciled with him. He loves us just that much. And so I wanted to share from the heart today. If you don't mind, I'd like to take my time today, if that's okay with you. Uh, if you have to leave, you know, just tip on out, and we will catch you next week. But um, we and we still love you. We still love you. Um, but I wanted to share that story with you because maybe you have a loved one who is having a hard time comprehending the goodness of God, or maybe you are having a hard time comprehending the goodness of God, and you said to yourself, "Well, if God is so good." well, then why did that happen? Or if God is so good, well, then then why did things turn out the way they did? And so as I was preparing this message, I felt something dropped in my spirit, and, and it was a phrase, and the phrase was collateral damage. And so when I heard that phrase, I just began to pray, and I really understood that collateral damage in in war terms is when innocent people are affected based upon the actions of others and 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 in relationships Collateral damage can be seen like when a a bad breakup happens in a relationship or a divorce happens within a family. And collateral damage is seen when you had a bunch of mutual friends together but now you no longer have those friends as a result of the breakup or you no longer have the same family members that you used to have because of collateral damage from the divorce, and you wake up in the morning and you're like, wait a minute, are you trying to tell me that the people who were my family are no longer my family? Like, are you saying, like, Uncle Steve is no longer my uncle? Are you saying, like, that, that Grandma Joan is no longer my grandma? Well, if God is so good, well then, why did all that happen, the way it did. And I found that the reason why many times in life, the reason why it's so hard to grasp hold of the goodness of God in our lives is because of life itself. Because you have a couple of those how could God moments in your life and instead of running to God, it could cause you to run away from God who really is your true source of healing. And what happens is we wind up running away from God and we look to someone or we look to something as a source of healing in our lives. And maybe we even look to trying to become more successful and and gain the accumulation of more wealth and we can buy more houses and we can buy more cars and possibly even have more children. But the reality is the only true source of healing is found when you surrender it to God and for some of you the goodness of God can even be a trigger word that takes you back to that moment of damage and disappointment where you believe God but it didn't happen where you prayed the prayers, but those prayers weren't answered. And, and sometimes things can be so painful that it's hard for you to truly believe that God is good, strong with all of your heart because of what you've been through. And, and as we come and we sing about the goodness of God and all my life you've been faithful, Lord, all my life you've been so, so good, what you're really saying down in the depths of your heart is, Lord, some of my life, you've been faithful, or Lord, maybe most of my life, you've been good, but then there were those, those other times or those few times where you didn't really come through the way I thought you were gonna come through. And and maybe you've done a real good job at managing that pain and and managing that damage and you can be a highly functional person and a highly successful person and, and you'll be well liked but you know you don't wanna be well known because if you're well known, people are gonna get too close to that wound that you may have. And you may be hearing this right now thinking, man, this dude doesn't even know what he's talking about. Or you may be all the way on the other end of the spectrum and saying, man, how in the world did God stop by this guy's house and tell him my business before I came over here? (laughs) And the reality is I'm just sharing from my experience. So I know what I'm talking about because I'm telling you what I've already lived. And and for you, it might be a shock because you're finally realizing that everybody who is in the church has some sort of collateral damage in their lives. And that's why we all need Jesus. But if we'll surrender it to him, he can heal it for us. Ooh, I wish somebody would shout amen. Amen. Hey, listen, all I know is that it's hard work keeping up the image that God is good when you don't truly believe it when you look in the mirror. But true healing is found when you surrender to God and say, Lord, I don't know why things happen the way they did, but I'm going to trust you anyway. Lord, I don't know why things happened the way they did. And I don't know why so-and-so left and why, and why I'm going through this situation. But Lord, you know what? I'm gonna trust your purpose for my life. I'm gonna trust what you have destined me to become. Freedom is found when you surrender to God. I used to think true freedom was found when you would break away from God. Man, if I could just get away from this authority of God, if I could just break away from the commands of Jesus, man, I could be free, I could have peace, but the reality is true freedom is found in your surrender to God. True joy is found in your surrender to God. Your God-given purpose and what he has destined you to become is found when you surrender to God. And so I just want to challenge you this morning. Is it okay to give you a challenge this morning? I guess we kind of already started, right? (laughs) I just want to challenge you this morning and ask you, when you look in the mirror, are you living in your God-given purpose? When you look in the mirror, are you living in your God-given purpose? And this is how you'll know. Because when you see your reflection, you know that your reflection reflects the character of Christ Jesus. So Romans 8, 28 and 29 lets us know that God's goal is that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That means if we don't know Jesus, he wants us to come to repentance in him, receive him, and he can transform, conform us to the image of his son. So that's the goal. That's God's goal. So two weeks ago, uh, we were talking about the goodness of God, and we were talking about the attributes of God. You guys remember that when we were talking about God is good? And, And we also said, and God is holy, right? And God is a good God. God is good. The title of the message today is God is so good. Somebody say that with me. God is so good. Look at somebody and say, God is So good. And today we're gonna look at another attribute of God. God is good and God is merciful. Oh my goodness, God is full of mercy. God is merciful. Here, in fact, take a look at the screen, uh, a definition of mercy. From the Oxfords, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mm. Now watch Second Peter 3 in verse 9 so the way we can get the heart of God behind the whole matter. The scripture says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but is long suffering toward us somebody say long suffering not willing that any should perish but that all should come to what repentance so that's the goal of God, God's goal is that we would be reconciled to him that we would be restored unto him that we would find ourselves living out what he has destined us to be that's God's desired outcome now we read it plain from the scripture did everybody read that the same way that was a fairly plain reading right we don't need to go into the Greek or anything like that. Like God is long suffering <laughs> and he desires for us to not perish but to come to repentance. But somewhere along the way, culture has twisted this scripture so that God is defined as someone or something other than being merciful. Somewhere along the way, culture has defined God as as the big man upstairs who would rather judge you for your sin than for you to repent of that sin and be restored to him. So what happens when things go in a way that you didn't think that they should Like no matter how hard you pray, no matter how hard you study, what do you do when you can't quite figure things out? You trust God because we just read a scripture that said that God is long suffering. He's merciful and he desires for you to be healed and to be restored. Listen, never ever forget that. No matter what you go through in life, always remember that God is merciful. Hey, keep that in mind as we go to the scripture today in the book of Jonah. because God, though he's merciful, he also wants us to be merciful to others. Remember how we're to be conformed to the image of his son, that little Christ thing, he wants us to emulate mercy as well. So uh, how many of you guys have ever ever uh, read the, the, the account of Jonah, All right? You guys remember the song, who did, who did, who did, who did, who did, who did swallow Joe, Joe, Joe? You guys don't know that one? oh, man, that thing went gold in my house. <laughs> there was a time I didn't really know any Bible songs, and my kids came along, and I found out we could sing that, and then you can just weld it, weld it, weld it, weld it, wailed it, swallow jo, jo 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 and we just keep that going, and once you get tired of that, you just go into Daniel, 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 Linda the la, la, like that helped me big time, you know, um, and, and so if you know the account of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet of God. Now, I know that this guy was a good preacher because when God wanted to transform a nation, he called Jonah. So this guy must have been able to preach. And and so Jonah hears the word of the Lord, and God says to Jonah, listen, Jonah, the people's sin of Nineveh has come up before me. They've been a wicked people, and I want you to go preach against that city. And so Jonah's like, oh, man, have you ever told your kids that you needed them to do something? They have a slow response. He's like, ah, ah! This is my son Jackson when he goes to take out the garbage. Jackson, I know you're watching him. Ah. All right. So 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 Jonah hears it and he doesn't want to do it. And so instead of getting on the boat to go to Nineveh, he takes an Uber to, uh, excuse me, a boat to, to Tarshish. <laughs> and, and, and on his way to Tarshish, he finds himself because he has disobeyed God. He's got all kinds of uh, issues going on in his life right now. And so he gets out in this ship out in the middle of the sea and a storm comes out of nowhere. And now Jonah is jeopardizing the evil even the people on the boat because he's being disobedient to God. Oh, my goodness, that's how I pray for people. Sometimes people will be like, hey, pray for my son or pray for me. He's out here doing this. I pray this kind of prayer right here. Lord, when they get into that house, I want you to shake up that whole party. Lord, I want you to send the police up in there. Bust up the party. Lord, if they're going to try to get high, I pray that they won't enjoy it. If they're going to try to get drunk, I pray they get sick. I pray they can't stand sin anymore. Turn them around, so don't ask me to pray for you. (laughs) (laughs) if you're living like that, you know. (laughs) I'll be more graceful if it's like, hey, man, I'm really hurt and I need to pray. <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't pray that. But but so, so Jonah finds himself, he's out in the middle of the ocean, and the sailors are like, man, this thing came out of nowhere, what's going on? And so they finally narrow it down, and Jonah's like, yeah, man, it's me. You know, I'm, I'm a prophet of God, I shouldn't even be in this situation, and I'm messing all of you guys up. But I tell you what, and I don't know where Jonah was at in the head, because he's like, if you just throw me over the boat, like everything thing will be cool. And I'm like, what in the world? What kind of plan is that? What about just turn it around and let me get a little raft, you know, and, a, and, a, and just kind of, but but Jonah's like, throw me into the sea. And so they toss Jonah into the ocean. And as a result, the sea calms and God causes a great whale to swallow Jonah. Now, this is where we can kind of receive things by faith, because I've seen people on YouTube spend hours on the kind of fish could it have really been a fish? And, and, and then like, well, there was a massive whale discovered. And could this, it's like, man, just receive it by faith. Like sometimes you don't know everything, but don't waste six, seven years of your life researching the whale. I mean, what if you put that into something else? Anyway, scripture-wise. And so this whale swallows him up. And as a result, God commands, he deals, he does business with Jonah while he's in the whale. Jonah repents. After he repents, God commands the whale to kick him back up on land, and now Jonah's making his way to do what he first should have done in the first place, but now he's coming up in there smelling like fish guts, and he's walking into the city of Nineveh, and when Jonah gets there, man, that's why I said he's a preacher, because he preaches, and he says, listen, if you guys don't repent, God's going to judge this city, and God in his mercy... Allow Jonah to go and to preach. And when they hear it, the whole city repents. They're like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? We need, to, we need to stop living this way. We need to honor the God of heaven. Even the king puts on sackcloth and ashes and they repent and God forgives the city. Now you'd think Jonah would be like, man, there we go. That's the kind of response we like to see. You know what I mean? Like, I preached that one. Like, I hope they capture that one on video. I preached that. That whole city got saved. But Jonah's got a different reaction. He's like, man, God, now see that? I knew that was going to happen. And he got mad, and he retreats out of the city, and he goes, and he builds a little shelter of some sort. And under that shelter, he's pouting about it. He's like, God, I knew that you were gonna forgive these people, in fact, let's take a look at what he says in verse one, of Jonah four in verse one. Gene, I'm gonna bounce around a little bit. Uh, One through three, watch what Jonah's response is. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know, watch this, you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in love kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow. Just like, wow, I'm like, I mean, this was awesome. This was incredible. How could you be so mad? Like, Because Jonah was like, man, how are you going to let these people just slide like that? After all the sin that they committed, after all the wickedness that they've committed, you're just going to tell me that you're just going to go ahead and let them slide? Like, it's just all they have to do is repent of sin, and you're going to let them just just be restored, and you're going to forgive them. Jonah's like, man, that's messed up. How many of you have children? Have, have have you ever punished the older ones? How many have more than one kid, right? So you know like that first one is kind of like that experimental phase of parenting. You know, you try some stuff, you're a little bit over-disciplined on them, uh, um, or maybe they receive more punishment, and then you have that middle one, and then that middle one kind of feels, feels the, the brunt of it as well. But by the time you get to that third one, That third one is there, and and sometimes they don't experience the same amount of discipline and restrictions that the the first one or the first two experience. And so I found this even in our own family where where our kids would walk up to us and say, wait a second, you mean to tell me they're going to get away with that? When I, I was that age, somebody took my cell phone for six months, you get that first world problem conversation going, right? They t- you took my phone for six months. I had to use an iPod. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have any AirPods. I had AirBuds. I had a string hanging from me. It was so terrible. <laughs> and then they do the same thing. It's like, wait a second. They're not going to get their phone taken? You mean to tell me that they're just going to be able to just say sorry and it's okay? Man, if that would have been me. that's exactly what Jonah's saying he's saying man Lord you mean to tell me I I had to go through the 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 whale's belly I haven't had a shower in days I have I don't even know nobody out here in Nineveh. I got on the same clothes I smell like beluga fish like and you're just gonna go ahead and forgive them And so as Jonah's retreating out in this little shelter, God allowed a a plant to kind of cover him and overshadow him. And so in the morning, God caused a worm to come over there and and it must've been a significantly potent worm because whatever he did caused that thing to shrivel up and die. And now Jonah's standing out in the hot sun, just feeling, have you ever had a real bad sunburn? Oh, I'm talking about the kind of sunburn where you can't even sleep. The scripture lets us know Jonah's just out there baking in the hot sun. You know, he probably stunk. You know how bad it smells when that heat hits that fish? I was in high school once and my friend thought it'd be funny to put a couple of our little bait fish that that we used to fish with, little shiners. He tossed about three of them in the wheel well of my car and we lived in Florida. And it kind of got a little functified. And, and about three days later, it was so strong, I had to ride with the window open. I would pull up to the school and open the door and, and the whole student section down there who parked would be like, oh man, like they could smell, like Jonah is really going through some problems here. He's got a real fashion crisis. He's having some challenges. He's working it out with God. And look look at what this verse says right here. God's gonna respond to him. Oh, God is so good. God is good? Well, I knew this church would be with me on that. And all the time? Yeah. So watch verse 9. Jonah 4 and verse 9. It says, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. I haven't had that shower. I'm struggling. But the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant, for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Watch this verse 11. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. God is so merciful. God is so merciful that he not only cared about the people and the children in the city, he also cared about the animals too. That's how gracious God is. Jonah was angry because these people repented and after they repented, God forgave them of their sin and he saved their land and God is good. God is merciful, Let me tell you something else that God is. God is also just. Psalm 103 in verse six says this, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in mercy. So God is 100% merciful but at the same time, God is also 100% just. So he's all the way full of mercy and he's all the way full of just. He's merciful. To to, to get the real feel of merciful, just, just flip it. Full of mercy, merciful, full of mercy. So he's merciful and he is also just. I remember as a, a pastor, I, I had probably one of the most difficult conversations over a cup of coffee I've ever had. Have you ever had somebody invite you to get a meal or invite you to have a cup of coffee and they just lay some news on you? Is that just pastors or does that happen to, right, to you guys too? Okay, <laughs> I thought so, right? They just drop a bomb on you. Well, I kind of had an understanding going into the conversation and um. There was a guy in, in a church, and I won't say his name or anything, <clears throat> somewhat local, and um, this was a little while ago, and he was having a hard time with the goodness of God. And so caught me after a church servant, he, said, he was like, listen, if God is so good, then why did he punish so many people? And so I'm like, all right, let's, let's have a cup of coffee. This is not something that we can, hey, how you doing, hey, and you're trying to talk, hey. So I said, let's go have a cup of coffee. And so we did, and, and we sat down, and the, the conversation was, he was wondering how could God be good, yet look at what's happened to so many in the Old Testament, and we have record of it. And um, the reason why he was at the church in the first place was because he liked a certain girl. And, and so because she was a strong believer, he wanted to get the attention of this girl. And and this was the reason why he was not gonna surrender his life to Christ. And so I'm thinking, okay, so we have this conversation and he lets me know, I just can't get down with what God has done in the Old Testament. And I said, you know what? And I said his name, I said, you know, I, I've, I've also wrestled with that before. You know, I've wrestled with that. And what I have done as a preacher and a pastor, and just somebody who wants to know, I dug really deep into a lot of these texts where these things have happened. You know what I discovered? I said, when things like that happen, I've noticed that oftentimes there are people who wickedness has taken place and God's making some adjustments. Like, for example, the one passage of scripture we were talking about, the adults were making these children what the Bible calls pass through the fire. I said, do you know what that is? I said, when somebody passes, that means they're being sacrificed to some foreign wicked God against their will. I said, you know... The scripture says that God is good and God is merciful and he's also just. So let me come at it from a single parent and single kid perspective. I said, there have been times where I've heard arguments as a boy and I was told to stay in the room and I heard loud commotion and glass breaking and I was at the place where I couldn't do anything because I was still small and I was weak. The only person that I could speak to was God who was a higher authority saying, God, would you help us? So when I came to this little passage of scripture here and I was talking with him, I said, you're having a hard time because God judged the wicked. I said, but would God also be good? Would he be merciful? Would he be just if he never moved on behalf of the innocent? Like would, would would God, would would God still be good if he if he never judged the wicked for how poorly they treated the innocent? God is good. God is merciful, and it looks like when he reacts and he responds. It looks like he's being harsh and he's being judgmental. But, but if God did not defend the helpless, would he still be merciful? Would he still be just? If he didn't do anything about that at all, what if those children were calling out and saying, Lord, would you please help us? So it might not seem merciful to the oppressor, but it does seem merciful to those who are being oppressed and God is good. God is merciful and God is also just. There will come a time when when God's mercy moves into being just. And so because he's merciful, the scripture let us know that God does not desire to punish, God desires for us to come and to receive his son. God is so merciful and so just that instead of us having to suffer our punishment, he allowed his son Jesus to be punished in our place. Is that not mercy? God is so good. And God also desires for us to be merciful because we were made in the image of God and God has desired for us to be conformed into the image of his son, little Christ, that we would emulate our daddy. That when people would look at us, they'd be like, man, he's just like his daddy. <laughs> look at that one, he, she's just like her daddy. Emulating what Christ would do. God is merciful and desires for us to be merciful. Let me read you a quote from a gentleman by the name of John Piper. The whole duty of the Christian can be summed up in this. To feel, think, and act in a way that will make God look as great as he really is. Hey, mercy in layman's terms means giving people a second chance. (laughs) What comes to mind when you think of mercy? You think about Jesus on a cross, stretched out, dying for the sin of you and me. That is mercy. So today, I just wanna give you three simple ways, quick ways, three simple ways for showing mercy to others in our daily lives. And I'll just say them right off the top. Gene, if you put them up for me, be patient with quirks, be kind to jerks, and be a bridge to Christ and his church. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, the Bible says this, stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or even be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. I don't know if you guys have discovered, but people can be a little quirky. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, everybody kind of has their own little quirks. And so here, here's what I've also discovered, that how can you be merciful? <laughs> how can you be merciful if, if you're angry? Right? How can you be merciful if you're uptight? So, so he says, listen, I'll tell you how by being patient with others. If we want to be the kind of, of believer that Jesus wants us to be, then we need to have patience with people. We, we, we can't get heated. Somebody say, keep it on ice. Because God was patient with you and all of your quirks. Hey, maybe this week God may put somebody in your path that may have a physical or an emotional or even a financial need and is unable to help themselves. And and it's gonna take patience to not be in a rush and to maybe spend a little time and have a conversation with that person to determine the need. And then, by the way, God has blessed you and resourced you to then help others. Be patient with quirks. Number two, be kind to jerks. Look at somebody say, don't be it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't. <laughs> now that's contrary to current culture, right? That's contrary to current culture. But the Bible tells us to be patient with those people. Be, be kind to those people that rub you the wrong way. Here's how you know if you're being kind to jerks. In times of conflict, do you give people what they need or do you give people what they deserve? Oh, that's good, right? Do you give people what they need or do you give people what they deserve? Because we already know what they deserve. They deserve a piece of your mind, right? Like when, when you kind of are ready to go off and you're like, oh, oh, and, and you know that they go, they're ready to go there and that switch. Have you, have you ever had that switch that flips or is that just me? Like, like they rub you the wrong way and all of a sudden it's like, bing, oh, okay. Oh, you want to go there, right? And and you're about to flip out on him, and let me tell you something. And then you remember Jesus, right? And, and then suddenly you're like, you know what? Um, I, I'll be with you in a moment, ma'am. Next customer, please. Thank you so much, right? Like like Jesus kind of comes in there. Yeah, some of you guys are laughing because you, you but you're laughing like this, you know, <laughs> because you know sometimes you can be just a little too passionate. But thank God that He didn't give us what we deserve. God gave us mercy, and so we also want to be able to do the same. And number three, be a bridge to Christ and his church. Be a bridge to Christ and his church. Hey, Jesus went out of his way to show love to others who were overlooked. Jesus went out of his way to demonstrate mercy to those who were forgotten some of you guys need to read John chapter number four. There's a woman at the well that takes place and, and, and Jesus said, you know what? He's on his way on a journey. He's like, hey, listen, I need to go through Samaria for, for something and his disciples are like, what? We don't ever go through that part of town. Like, we don't ever go through there. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I, I got to go through that part of town and he has a conversation with, with a woman there at the well and so he goes to Samaria and he, he emulates how we should overcome racial bias because the Samaritans were not full-blooded Jews. And so the Jews would go around that part of town. Jesus said, I gotta go right through it. And then he has a conversation with a woman at high noon, which was totally countercultural to, to the gender bias that existed during that day. But Jesus is like, no, 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 I, I got to have a conversation with this woman. And when his disciples come, they were surprised that he had elevated a woman to such status to have a conversation with the Lord Jesus himself. He went out of his way to show mercy to others to those who were forgotten, to those who were rejected, to those who were outcast, to those who were overlooked, to those who were marginalized, he intentionally went out of his way to build a bridge to love others. Can you say amen? Amen. Hey, if you want to reflect the character of Jesus, be a bridge of love to to others for, for Christ and his church. Hey, we're Generation Life Church. We are a multicultural people, right? We're multigenerational, we're multicultural, we're we're multiplying, We're, we're, we're multicultural. When's the last time you've had a meal with someone who looked different than you, right? Like, is the vision of the church that you call home truly a vision or are they just words on the screen? If there are words on the screen, well, then this isn't gonna work, but if it's truly something that you truly believe and this is your church, hey, listen, we're a multicultural people. We're a multi-generational people. We're a multiplying people. All generations are welcome. All cultures are welcome in Christ's church. Hey, I wanna ask you if you would stand to your feet for just a moment, and I just wanna ask you one question. When you, when you look in the mirror, are you living in your purpose? When you look in your mirror, are, are you reflecting the character of Christ in your life? Hey, um, maybe, maybe you're here today and maybe you're the one who needs mercy most today. Maybe you are the one that we've been talking about who's been having a challenging time with the goodness of God. Maybe you're even watching today online and you're having a hard time with the goodness of God. And I kind of put it out there in the beginning of the message. And that is, to sum it all up, is to trust God even when you can't trace him. Right, to to, to give it to God and, and to say, Lord... I don't know why everything happens the way they did, but I'm gonna trust you. Lord, I'm gonna trust in your purpose today. Lord, I need you to heal my heart. If there's sin in your heart, Lord, I need to get this right with you today. In fact, why don't we just have a word of prayer? Let's close and and we'll just end it right there today. Family, God is good and desires for us to be reconciled to him. That's the bottom line. Despite what you heard, God desires reconciliation with us. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we come before you with a, um, somewhat of a challenging word today, Lord, somewhat of, of a challenging message today, Lord. And Father, we want to um, lift up to you anyone who may be hurting. Right now, Lord, anybody who may be struggling or even wrestling with the goodness of God, even that phrase, Father, Lord, would you heal our hearts today, Father? Would you heal uh, um, past, past wounds and 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 past issues and maybe even past relationships? Father, we ask in the name of the Lord that we would be able to say with all of our heart, God is good. Maybe we've been through certain things, but because you have healed those things, Lord, may we even in advance say, Lord, we're thankful that you are good. Thank you, Lord, for your, for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you are merciful and that you are just. Lord, we thank you that God is so good. We bless you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Church, can you say amen? amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Let's worship.